Father, Lord God, we give you all glory, honor, and praise of my Father this morning. For you are more than worthy to be praised and greatly to praise. And we rejoice in you always, Lord God, because you are mighty good to us. And we are grateful this morning. We are thankful, Lord God. And Lord God, we enter your gates with thanksgiving, your courts with praise this morning, Lord God. And your praise will continue to be in our mouths, Heavenly Father, Lord God. But we know that greater is he that is in us, Lord Jesus, than he that is in the world. And we thank you, Lord God, so very much, Lord God, for watching over us, Lord God, all during the night. Thank you for keeping us safe from all hurt, harm, and danger. Thank you for blessing us with peace. Thank you for blessing us with comfort. Thank you for your love and kindness this morning. And thank you for waking us up this morning to see another day that you have made. For we know this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for our health and our strength. We thank you for the activities and use of all of our limbs, and thank you for clothing us in our right mind. And we thank you, Lord God, for the joy of the Lord is our strength, Lord God, this morning. And we thank you for everything that you do for us, Lord God, for you truly brought us from a mighty long ways. And we are grateful this morning, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord God, for this worship service. And we thank you for everyone that's here this morning and those, Lord God, that may be joining us a little later, Heavenly Father. And we ask you, Lord God, to bless each and every one, Lord God, this morning. And we pray that you bless every family that's represented this morning, Lord God. We pray, pray that you bless all the children this morning, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for your grace and your mercy, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for watching over us and knowing what our needs are, Lord God, and delivering us from all our fears and anxieties, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for filling us and refilling us with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And we ask and pray that the Holy Spirit will have his way in this service this morning, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we pray that your will be done, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we pray that you continue to meet the needs of everyone here, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, this morning. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that comes alongside us to help and guide us in all truth and show us the things to come, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we also want to thank you, Lord God, for all the mothers this morning. And we are so grateful for our mothers, Lord God, and all that they do, all that they teach us, Lord God, and their motherly love, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we ask you, Lord God, to bless all our mothers, Lord God, this morning. And we pray that they, they will be joyful, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we want to thank you, Lord God, also for the word that's going to go forth this morning. And we know that your word is living and powerful. And we know that your word will not return to you void. And we thank you for the anointing upon our pastor, Lord God, that's bringing the message this morning. And we thank you, Lord God, that you'll fill her mouth when she's open. And we thank you, Lord God, for your anointing upon her, Lord God. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit, Lord God, will guide her this morning, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for the wisdom that you're giving her, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, and we ask you, Lord God, continue to bless all the work of our hands, Lord God, everything that she does, Lord God. And we know that she's the apple of your eye, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And Heavenly Father, we bind up the enemy this morning. The enemy will not interfere in our worship service this morning. The enemy is not welcome here, Lord God. And we're so thankful that his weapons are not void, Heavenly Father. And he no, has no authority or power over us, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us, Lord God. 
and we want to find up every attack of the enemy. We want to find up our assignment of the enemies against our lives, against our families and loved ones, Lord God, against this nation, Lord God. We plead the blood of Jesus against the enemy right now, and we command him to flee, and we take authority over all his power, and we bind him this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. And what's bound down here on earth will be bound in heaven. That's what your word said, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we are so grateful this morning, Heavenly Father. And we pray, Lord God, that people will be saved this morning. That someone may come to this worship service and be saved, Lord God, when they hear the word. And we pray that multitudes around the world, Lord God, will receive Christ today, Heavenly Father. That they will come to the Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And their lives be forever changed, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, there's nothing too difficult for you to do. And Lord God, and we love you, Lord God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Thank you for everything that you do. And we love you for just who you are, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And none cannot be compared to you. And we give you the praise and honor and glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and everyone say amen. Amen. Praise amen. the Lord. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Sister Sabrina. Good morning, Pastor. I'm fine. I'm doing a little better. So that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Okay. And so now we're going to get some of the way that
to a service when we're able to gather. And I know some mornings everything went wrong before I got to service. And so the, the, the part of that service that sets us uh, in a mood to uh, hear the word of God is the praise and worship. And so we must learn how to worship the Lord. We listen to the words and allow those words to speak to our hearts. And so uh, this morning, God, thank God that, you know, I was reminded that, you know, God takes us the way we are. You don't have to get ready for him. I hear, I've heard people say, oh, when I get ready, well, you know, get rid of some stuff that I'm doing, then I'll, I'll uh, you know, get with God. Well, you can't get ready for God. It's only he that can prepare you. So you come as you are, and then he molds you and shapes you into what he would have you to be. Cleans you up. I was looking for that scripture in Ezekiel. I mean, you might run a reference for me while I'm doing the uh, message. But there's a scripture in Ezekiel. It's in the beginning, I think, of Ezekiel, where Ezekiel talks about how he was naked and still in that uh, uh birthing uh, blood uh, that happens when we give birth to a newborn baby. They bathe them and clean them up, but you know, they have that afterbirth on them and, and blood and just need to be cleaned up. And he gives that description saying, that's the way I was. And God took me and formed me and took care of me and caused me to be what I am today. That's my paraphrase. But it's a beautiful thing to recognize how far God has brought you and recognize that he is still God. And uh, so this morning, uh, I'm going to talk about mothers. I am going to do that. But I am just so uh, blessed because, you know, uh, God uh, puts uh, people in our paths. And we may go our separate ways, and then he brings us back together because he wants us to do some work together. So I shared with those that prayed with me that my former prayer partner, Sister Cora Holmes, who is actually an evangelist, uh, besides being a wonderful woman of prayer, an intercessor, powerful, uh, she's traveled to New Zealand and uh, uh, other places to do uh, ministry. And uh, we all started out together at St. John uh, Baptist Church here in Chicago, October. And God moved me to what is now Jubilee. Well, it's not even Jubilee anymore. It's, uh, uh, I can't remember what they're calling it now. But anyway, we all, he put you back with people that you've already had contact with. And uh, sometimes we stay together, uh, but we start doing work separately, but then he brings that uh, time for us to come back together to do some work. So she and I are going to be doing some work in the spirit, and I'm just grateful for that opportunity. I'm grateful for all of you this morning, Sister Isabel. I said I uh, wanted to make sure I acknowledged you this morning. And any others that are on uh, the 
online with us this morning. I just want to say good morning, and if you're a mother, I'm saying happy Mother's Day. And, uh, you know, many of the fathers have had to be mothers, too, so I don't exclude them. Uh, some of them have played the role of mommy. And so we just thank God for all of you this morning. And so we are going to be talking about uh, mothers this morning. That is what God has given me to share with you all this morning. So we will we'll be talking about some of the mothers in the scripture. We're going to talk about them this morning. Some of those matriarchs and uh, allow ourselves to be blessed by what they did and, and how God used them to raise up men and women that he would use in his work. And so I just want to uh, have you first turn your Bible to Samuel chapter 1. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 10 and 11. Father God, we thank you this morning. We're grateful, Lord. And we thank you, Father God, that as I open my mouth, the Holy Spirit will fill it. And that what I speak is what you want me to speak. And what I speak is lines up with your word. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the one that comes alongside to help me. And so I'm surrendering myself to you. I'm yielding myself to the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Father God, that whatever I do, whatever I say, will bring glory and honor to you. That it's not by power. And it's not by might, but it's by the Holy Spirit. And I bind up the enemy. I take authority over his lies. I take authority over any distractions. I take authority over anything that would interfere with the word of God going forth. And I thank you that the ears of the hearers are anointed to hear. And their hearts are open to receive your word. And I thank you that everything I do will be done decently and in order. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we're going to look at some mothers this morning that uh, uh, have uh, history in the word of God. And uh, so we're looking at Samuel chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. And it says, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And this is Hannah. Hannah was a woman who uh, was a, a married, and she, her husband was very much in love with her. But in those days, you know, there were uh, polygamy was still in existence. So uh, he was all, her husband was also married to her sister. And uh, Hannah uh, was having difficulty conceiving, but her sister was very, very fertile. So she was having baby after baby. And so Hannah was not happy because she wanted to give uh, her husband a child. And uh, so 
she was just really, really uh, having a hard time. And so it was time for them to go uh, to the temple. And uh, so here in uh, in these uh, verses, we will see uh, that God is going to answer her prayer. She's praying for a child. She's praying to be pregnant. So God answered Hannah's prayer, and she conceived Samuel, and she filled her vow to the Lord. She fulfilled her vow to the Lord, and Samuel was taken to the temple and was entrusted to the priest. Because of her obedience, Samuel became the most famous prophet in Israel's history. Now, she promised God that if he would give her a son, that when he was weaned, when he was old enough, she would take him to the temple and leave him there with uh, the, uh, the prophet in charge. And so the prophet in charge had some bad boys. He uh, uh, was a man who had some sons, and the sons were uh, stealing the tithes, cutting up the tithes. They're bringing women in the temple. They were just cutting up. And so Eli was the prophet's name. But Samuel was left there for him to mentor. And so one of the times that the Lord spoke, the first time that the Lord spoke to Samuel, uh, Samuel thought that Eli was calling him. And you can read that on your own, where he is, he's in his bed and the Lord called Samuel's name. He's a little boy. And so he got up and thought that Eli was calling him. So he went to Eli and said, you know, you called me. And Eli said, oh, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And so then he went back to his bed and he heard that voice again and he got up. And I think about three times he heard that voice and went to Eli. And Eli re realized what was happening. He realized that God was speaking to Samuel, this little boy. And so he told Samuel, he said, go back and get in your bed and say, speak, Lord, thy servant is listening. We all need to learn how to pray that prayer. Speak, Lord, thy servant is listening. And when he said that, God began to speak to him and tell him how he was going to use him and and, 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 and just uh, getting him ready to become that great prophet. And Eli knew what God was doing, and he knew that his time was as uh, ending as a prophet of God because he had been dis disobedient. And God had spoken to him about his children, about those boys that were just running rampant, and Eli continued to ignore their misbehavior. You see, one of the things that we as mothers and fathers is that we are responsible for these children that God has given us, and it's our uh, responsibility to let them know right from wrong, to tell them when they're wrong, and tell them when they're right. And we need to introduce them to God early in their lives so that they know God. Now, some of us weren't ready to do that when it was when the kids were little. But you know what? God will send somebody across your 
professor, but besides her, God put other women in my life. My godmother, uh, Middy East, uh, God bless her, rest her soul. She played the role of a godmother the way you're supposed to do it. She made sure that she helped get my, uh, have get me exposed to God and to have a spiritual uh, experience with God and to know uh, what God had planned for me. She did that for me. She was my mother's friend. She was with my mother for each one of my mother's children's birth. My brothers and I, she she came to Texas uh, to uh, be with my mother when my youngest brother was born because she and my godfather had moved to California. But she uh, mentored me and so many other women that crossed my path as a girl that helped me uh, spiritually. And so, um, you know, we have a responsibility to raise these children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But if we're not able to do it, God will send others across their path. Maybe grandma, maybe auntie, Titi, <laughs> as Michael, uh, Sarai, and Melanie called uh, Sister Maldisa. But, you know, God does make sure that we are able to get to know him. And if the parents aren't in the place to do that, he sends others across our path to do that. So anyway, Samuel, Anna had sent Samuel there because she wanted her son to know God. She had promised God when she conceived that she would give him back to him. And that's one of the things that we do with babies. We offer baby dedication. And we even often have to, to other young children uh, to be dedicated to the Lord. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, we're able to do it right away. When Monisa was born, I was in the delivery room with her mother. That was when they first started letting others come into the delivery room. And I was in the delivery room with my, my, my daughter when Monisa was born. And when now, the other two children were born, I was there. Uh, she wanted me there with her when she gave birth to her children. And uh, when Monisa was born, the doctor, a female doctor, she didn't give Monisa to Regina. She gave her to me. I'm standing beside the, the bed there, and she just gave me uh, Monisa. And, you know, I just looked at that little girl, and I said two things. First, I said, Lord. I'm lifting her up to you because I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I want you to help me do whatever you want me to do about this baby knowing you and and and, and living for you. And so you show me. Whatever you show me, I will do it. And I have kept my promise. And, of course, she got saved at two years old. I leave my grandchildren or let them. Any of them that were around me, I led them to the Lord right away. As soon as they could walk and talk. You know, people say, oh, you're supposed to wait till they're 12 years old. Well, I can't find that nowhere in Scripture. And so I just, come here, baby. Do you love Jesus? Uh-huh. And I lead them in the sinner's prayer because God is not a respectable person. So he loved that little toddler just like he loves us 
12 year olds and 20 year olds and 40 years old and whatever age you are today. He loves you. And so uh, Samuel's uh, mother uh, wanted him to know God and she had left him there at the temple. So of course Eli finally realized that Samuel was gonna be his replacement because he had fallen short in his responsibility. And so uh, he was out at the gate one day with the men. Uh, that's where the men hung out in those days at the gate of the city and all the business transactions and everything was taken care of there. And so he was there and uh, bless his heart, he was a, a heavy set man and his chair turned over and his neck was broken and he died. But Samuel by that time was ready for God to him as the prophet and so that's because Hannah was obedient that that was able to happen you see she made a promise to God if you give me this child I'm gonna give him back to you and she did that and then we look at Genesis chapter 3 verse 20 and of course Genesis is the beginnings book and we see here uh, that Adam and Eve God uh, made Adam and Eve, and of course we all know that uh, they fell from grace in the garden, And uh, but they had children. So in verse chapter 3, verse 20, uh, Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. So Eve was the mother of all living. So Eve, bless her heart, made a mistake, and we all have uh, suffered for that mistake. And so that's why Jesus had to go to Calvary in order to make a way for us now uh, to be saved. Uh, because Eve fell from grace and that's when God put him out of the garden. And Adam was a part of that. A lot of people like to just put it all on Eve. But you see, if you go back and read that, you'll see that God gave the, art, the order for the garden, for that tree that was in the garden not to be touched, he gave that to Adam. He didn't give that to Eve. Eve didn't know, but Adam knew. So when she offered Adam the fruit, he said, <laughs> we're not supposed to eat from that tree. But see, the devil had come along ahead of him and said to her, does God not say that you cannot give that tree? You know, and the devil likes to ask you questions. And you have to know to not fall into his trap. Because when he asks you a question, he'd get ready to get you to do something you have no business. And so that's what happened in, uh, in the garden. So then, you know, she lost her son. So we see here that Eve knew the heartache of losing a child after her son came killed his brother Abel. Now that is a painful thing for a mother to have to go through. And I am among those mothers who has uh, had one of my children precede me in death. And it's a very painful thing to see your child leave here and, you know, you're still here, but you still got to keep on living and got to be open to God and thank God when he left here he was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit so I know that I will see him again but Eve had not only known the heartache of losing a 
yeah, with that. And then she had another son named Seth. And it was through Seth that the ancestry of Jesus Christ was established. So when you do that, uh, uh, go along and see the, the, um, the, the family tree of Jesus Christ, I'll call it that, uh, you'll see that uh, Seth is mentioned in that uh, lineage. And uh, uh, Eve, of course, uh, and caused she and Adam to have to leave the garden. Eve also, her punishment was to have pain uh, when she was given birth, and I often wonder if she had if she hadn't done that, could we have given birth without pain? Uh, anybody uh, can tell me that they've had a child given birth and they didn't have any pain. Well, I admire you because most of us know pain, and we really know pain because childbirth <laughs> is really can be very painful. So we just want to continue uh, uh, to know that these women were mothers. They were mothers. And when we go back and look at the scripture, we see, you know, Hannah and Eve. And and, and they, uh, uh, then we go and we see uh, the Virgin Mary. And of course, what people don't understand about the Virgin Mary is, is that she could have lost her life when she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, she had no husband. Joseph and she were engaged. They had not yet been married. And the Holy Spirit impregnated her with, the, uh, with this holy child. And when Joseph found out she was pregnant, well, he wanted to put her away. But... Uh, the angel came to him. I'm sorry, my dog is barking. There's somebody outside. When the angel uh, came to him and said, look, that woman didn't do anything wrong. This is my paraphrase. She didn't do anything wrong. She is impregnated with a holy child. And you stay with her and you protect her. You see, the under the law, a woman who was pregnant without a husband could be stoned to death. So she actually put her life on the line. She uh, did what God wanted her to do, because she could have been killed for that. So we see that this mother made the sacrifice to please God. And some of us have had to do the same thing. We had to uh, try to raise children without the father there. We have tried, had to raise children that ended up causing us great pain and heartache they went to jail you know my oldest son he was addicted to drugs and uh, we go through all of that with them and trusting god that god is going to help us and i tell anybody who's going through that because i've known others who have had to go through that and i tell them my story i tell them about how god had to send me away from home to get here at clean and sober because i was not doing uh, the right thing and god had work for me to do so he just sent me right on to Tulsa, Oklahoma to prepare for ministry. And it was while I was gone, I can't take no credit for Eric B. 
and uh, cleaning. So but I can't take no credit for him being delivered from heroin because God to give that all by himself without my help, without me messing it up. And so I'm telling you, sometimes God has to move us out of the way, honey, because we become such codependents. And we can't see the forest for the trees. Y'all too young to know about that saying. But it means you can't see. <laughs> and uh, we get in the way. And the person, the, 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 the son or the daughter is having serious problems. And we're just in the way. So we need to think about Mother Mary. We need to think about how she raised this man that God gave her. That she had been impregnated by the Holy, impregnated by the Holy Spirit with this man, this man, this holy man. Uh, he was uh, uh, in a flesh and blood body, but he was God, and uh, she raised him. And when she raised him, she had no idea what was going to transpire. She had to watch them. Uh, kill her child. She had to watch that. She had to stand there and they nailed him to a cross and they spit on him and they put a sword through his side. Uh, they did him, nailed him to that cross, made him carry the cross that they were going to put him on. She had to watch all of that. But that mother stood there and as she was standing there weeping, Jesus looked down at her from that cross and said to John, John was the disciple that was very close to him. He said to him, son, behold thy mother, mother, behold thy son. He transferred that uh, responsibility to the disciple John for looking after his mother that's what he was really saying look after that woman you know and the example we see of how how powerful she was uh she knew who he was and she knew what he could do so in john chapter 2 verses 3 through 5 she uh was with him at a wedding they were at a wedding and at the wedding they ran out of wine now a lot of uh, uh, Think about wine, think about Ripple, and the, what's that other one? I forgot that other cheap wine they used to have, Thunderbird. <laughs> well, in those days, in biblical days, the water was not good. And so they drank this little weak stuff that was not fermented wine. It was really just a juice, really, uh, because the water wasn't good. So when we hear about wine, that was what they drank instead of, uh, uh, you know, the water many times. But this was a wedding, so they had some wine. And the wine ran out. They, they ran out of wine. You can find this in John chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. They ran out of wine. And so when the wine failed, the scripture says, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, oh, woman, what have you to do with me? Uh, and my hour has not yet come. So what he was saying to her was, why are you telling me that? Why do you want me to do something? This is not the right time for me to be showing them that I can turn this water into wine. But she wouldn't let him get away with it. And so 
he once he said that to her, you see in the scripture, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. So she put him on the spot and he told those servants to get him some water. And when he got that water, he turned that water into the wine. And uh, the, the comments were made that they saved the best wine for last because that wine, of course, was uh, sanctified. So we we see that Jesus then began his ministry. That really was the beginning of his ministry because he, that was a miracle. Because you know, and I know, you can't turn water into wine. If people could do that, uh, we wouldn't be able to keep no water. And uh, we're having trouble with water in California now because we're in a drought. So <laughs> but Mary was the mother of the savior of the world. And she was under great pressure. And, you know, I already said, it must have been really hard for her because he was out there doing his father's business. But she understood that Jesus was sent to earth. And so she had to even watch him tortured and killed. She had to put aside her wants for God. You see, mothers, we need to sometimes like I say, we, we are codependents and we get in the way and God has to move us out of the way in order to help our children. We're praying, Lord, help my child, but we're in the way because we're codependent because we want to do it our way. And God knows the way and he knows what it's going to take to get that child saved. Those of us that are parents, we need to understand that we need God's help to parent these children. We need God's help even when they're adults, because as adults, they have the freedom to do whatever they want. But as I was saying, I believe, yeah, the Sunday, everything is lawful, but it's not expedient. And we see our adult children doing things that are harmful to them and harmful to others, and we want to try to help them, but sometimes we can't help. We just need to get out of the way and say, Lord, have your way. That's a hard thing to do because we've been in their lives all their lives and we've been uh, calling the shots. And now all of a sudden, we're not calling the shots anymore. It's up to God and we need to let him have his way because he knows what needs to be done. And you know the prodigal son, if you know the story of the prodigal son, now mama wasn't involved in that, but daddy was. And so this prodigal son said to his daddy, I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait till you die. You can just give me what you're going to give me now. And I just want to go on with my life. So daddy gave him the money that he was supposed to get. And he went wandering off and he spent all the money on women and, and, and wine and doing the wrong thing. And then he found himself in the hog pen. Now, then he figured out, oh, Lord, I don't have nobody to help me. He didn't have no friends. You know, when you hit bottom, you oftentimes don't have no friends. Ain't nobody trying to help you. You ain't got no money to buy no dope, so they don't want to be bothered with you. No, can't steal no more alcohol out of Kmart, so they don't want to be bothered with you. And so there you are all by yourself, and that's where he found himself. And so he said, Lord, you know, I'd rather be a servant in my father's house 
Uh, he found himself in the hog pen, number one, and, you know, for a Jewish boy, hog pork ain't good, so Jesus in the hog pen, he said, Lord, I'd rather be a servant in my father's house than to stay in this hog pen. So then God said to him, uh, you know, he'd go on, he gave him the freedom to go back, and so he's coming down the road, and there's his father out there looking, and he saw him, and he said, this is my son who was lost, and he is now found. And he put a robe on that booker's back. He gave him some sandals. He was barefooted. And he put a ring on his finger and killed the fatted calf and had a party for him. And then the elder brother got mad because he said, you never did that for me, and I've been with you all the time. You know, that uh, that that kind of mess goes on in families, too, where uh, we want to compete. And you don't do this for me, but you did it for so-and-so, you know. But God knows our needs, and he knows our children's needs. And so if we take our hands off, he can do something with those children. Sometimes we just have to back up. We just have to back up because we have talked, we have pleaded, we have cried, we have had other people talk, and they just don't pay us any attention at all. And so you say, God, your hands on and my hands off and step back and see the salvation of God because he knows what to do. And so now one more and then I'm going to stop. Now we look at Deborah. Now, Deborah is in the Old Testament, and she is a prophetess. She is a preacher. She is, she is doing the work of leadership in the Old Testament. And she's the wife of a man who was judging Israel. He was a judge at that time. And so she used to sit under the palm of Deborah uh, and she would be between the city of Ramah and the city of Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned a man by the name of Barak. I'm reading from Judges 4, and it's verses 4 through 10. Judges, Judges. And so she's... Uh, She's uh, sitting there judging the people. So the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned a man by the name of Barak. <clears throat> Do we recognize that name? Where we one that we know today. And the son of Abinon from Kadesh Naphtali and said to him, Has not the Lord, <laughs> the God of Israel, commanded you? to go gather your men at Mount Tabor and taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Caesarea, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go, but if you will not go with me, I will not go. Now, this is a man, and he said to that woman, if you don't go with me, I can't go do this. And so that, you can go on and read the rest of that. But Deborah was a mother, she was a prophetess, uh, a judge, 
and she lived for God. And despite the sin that influenced her land of Israel, she lived for God. She was a, a powerful woman. And you go on to read that story and you'll see how powerful she really is. I'm going to let you do that on your own, but you will see how powerful she really is. And then we don't ever want to lose Sister Sarah because she is another part of history uh, that God uh, opened up a door for Abraham to become the, the father of many nations. And so we look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 11 and 12, and it says, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. She gave birth to a child when she was 100 years old. Now, y'all tell me, women, do you envy her? Because I don't. If I, God, I'm asking God for 100 years, honey, but I won't be giving birth at 100 years. But this woman was almost 100 years old, and she gave birth to a child. She had been what they call barren all of her young life. She tried to conceive and tried to conceive, and she wasn't able to do it. And so she and Abraham struggled to have a child until Isaac was born. And some other things happened in the middle of that. She gave her husband to the faith <laughs> to try to fulfill God's promise that Abraham would be the father of many nations. And Abraham went ahead like a fool and did what she told him to do. And the maid Hagar, she got pregnant and had a son, but God said, that's not the son that's going to make you the father of any nation, and Sarah will give birth someday. Now, that's my paraphrase, and sure enough, she did finally get pregnant, but she was an old lady, and the angel appeared to Isaac and said, your wife is going to conceive and give birth to a son and you should name him Isaac and she was in the tent listening to the angel talk to her husband and she said laughed she said will I have pleasure in from my husband in my old age it makes me laugh because she knew that she was too old to be having a baby <laughs> but you know God has his own way of doing everything so here they had got this boy that was born uh, that was uh, uh, given, uh, his mother was the maid. But God said, uh-uh, he's not the one. It's going to come one that's going to be one that I'm saying that Abraham is the uh, one who is uh, going to be at the father of promise. So here we are, and we see that she gave birth to Isaac. Now, poor Hagar, she got the she got it short end of the deal because once Isaac came, she wanted to try to compete, have her child compete with Isaac. And Sarah said, mm-mm, that ain't going to happen. So he told, she told Abraham to send her away. And, of course, he didn't want to do it because that was his child, too. But he did what it, she asked him to do because God said he needed to do that. So we need to understand that these mothers... Uh, that we're talking about. They had some supernatural experiences. Sometimes they watched their children die. And uh, we know that, the, you know, that happened for 
uh, Eve, and it happened for the Virgin Mary. It happened, and she uh, she had to watch her son tortured. You know, Jesus was tortured. You read the fifty third chapter, I'm sorry, of Isaiah, you can see they beat him till he was unrecognizable. We've had people make films, and I know that one uh, last one that was made was so bloody, a lot of people couldn't stand to watch it. But you know what? I was, uh, when I was at Rhema, uh we uh, were in uh, the one of our classes, I think it was the life of Christ, if I'm not mistaken, that we were in. And uh, the Reverend Doug Jones, who is now the director of the Rainbow Ministerial Association, taught that class. And so we went through the part about the crucifixion. And it was described graphically how they put those nails in his feet and in his hands. And you know, how he had keep pushing himself up on the cross to breathe and how that caused those nails in his feet to just tear his flesh. You know, he was tortured. He was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquity. They pulled all of his beard out. I'm not a man, but you men think about it. If you had a beard and somebody just started pulling it out of your skin, that's what they did to him. And his back looked like hamburger because they gave him 40 lashes with a whip that had metal balls on the end of those uh, those uh, <clears throat> parts of the whip so that, that when they hit him with that whip, it just dug into his flesh. He was tortured. That's what Jesus went through to have us be saved. And his mother had to stand there at the foot of the cross and see that. So, you know, we have to know that these mothers are so important for his role models for us. Because, you know, we we don't like it when our kids get in trouble. I know how I feel with heroin, using drugs. And, you know, I actually got, got me a job at the, house, the high school where he was going to high school so I could get him through high school. That's how good God was to me. He had to, those folks hired me uh, to do what they were, uh, the desegregation at that time. It was a court order to be, uh, 